0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Today's Gospel has two healing stories. The story of a a leper cleansed of his leprosy, and a centurion whose servant was healed. And both stories emphasize that the person making the request of Jesus believed that Jesus had the authority to do what they were asking. The leper said, "If, if you're willing, you can make me clean. The centurion said, you don't even have to come to my house, just speak the word and my servant will be healed. These healing stories, Matthew chapter 8, come immediately after uh, that section of teaching that is called the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel, which makes up Matthew chapter 5 through 7. In the Sermon on the Mount, we have the Beatitudes, we have Jesus restatement of the law in terms of its inner intent. Jesus said, you know, those of old said this, but I say. It has teaching about fasting and prayer and almsgiving. And at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, St. Matthew tells us that the crowd had the following response. Quote, and so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching because he taught as one having authority and not as the scribes. Thus, our gospel healings connect with this immediately preceding section of Matthew's gospel on the the subject of authority. Jesus taught as one having authority, and the two men who encounter Jesus in the gospel come to him knowing he has authority. If you want to do this, you can do this. Now... This idea that Jesus has authority amounts to the biblical confession that Jesus is Lord. And the confession that Jesus is Lord really stems from two biblical facts. One, we are told that Jesus is the word of God through whom God made the world in the beginning. That the Father created through his word who becomes the incarnate Christ by means of the Spirit. And we see this in Jesus' ministry as he exercises authority over nature, over disease, over demons. That that who they, the questions always asked in the Gospels: Who is this? Who can even tell the wind and the waves, and they obey him? The second biblical reason Jesus is Lord is that he has conquered Satan's sin and death by his life and death and resurrection. He is the word through whom God created in the beginning. When the creation fell and became estranged from God, he became man and lived and died and rose to reconcile humanity and indeed the whole creation with God. And because of his death and resurrection and ascension, which is uh, a part of our stained glass window, the ascended Christ seated as Lord of creation um, that he has authority over all things. Philippians describes it this way, quote, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow with things in heaven and things on earth, and things under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Though they may not fully have understood this, yet when the leper says, if you're willing, you can make me clean, that faith is based on the reality that Jesus is Lord, and he can do it. And when the centurion says, speak only the word, and my servant will be healed. This is faith that he is the word of God through whom God created in the beginning. And when we come to, to, to Christ and ask for things, we pray to him as Lord, our belief, our faith is in, in asking him is based on our belief that he can do what we ask him for. If he is willing, he can make us clean. Of course, if we look at the stories in the gospel and then compare them to our own lives of prayer, we encounter a practical problem. If we've lived a life of prayer, if we've prayed for things long enough, we know we'll come to a point in time where we say, Lord, if you're willing, you can do this. And Lord says, well, I'm not going to do, <laughs> do that. So this problem in prayer we ask for things we don't get can lead us to question either whether Jesus is really Lord or whether our faith is strong enough or to question the whole enterprise of prayer in the first place. However, the problem in this way of looking at prayer is not with our prayer or or with God's power, but with our framework for looking at life. We can reflect on a, a verse in 1 John. 1 John 5 says, "Quote." If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, we often read this exception according to his will as a sort of veto on our desires. I really want this good thing, but I guess God would rather give me something not as good, so I'll settle for that. Faith in this situation in our minds becomes a kind of resignation. Resignation. Settling for God's will rather than what we really want. But what is God's will for us? I think we have to ask that larger question. Why did God become man? He did not become man simply to save us from all of our temporal pain and then we can die and be eternally separated from him. He became man to do several things to heal our separation from God that was caused by sin and bring us back into union and communion with him. He became man to conquer death and give us the hope of resurrection and life in the world to come, as we just said in the creed. He became man to forgive our sins and to give us power not to be controlled, by the world, the flesh, and the devil, but to conquer sin rather than have it conquer us, to conquer temptation rather than always being conquered by it. He became man to enable us to grow in virtue, to enable us to be like him. We don't know exactly how temporal blessings and disappointments aid or harm our progress towards resurrection and life in the world to come. We may want very badly some temporal benefit that would in fact end up not being good for us, something that might make us arrogant or or proud or have some other negative impact on our progress towards eternity. And the things we have not been given or the things that we have lost are often the very things plant seeds of faith in our heart that detach us from the world just a little bit and bring us a little bit closer to god we remember that our, our lord prayed father if it be possible let this cup pass from me this is of course a model for how we pray in our afflictions lord if it be possible let this cup pass from me or we don't even do the if it be possible part just let it pass from me jesus then prayed. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. But we should reflect for a minute. If the Father had answered Jesus' prayer, if he had removed that cup of suffering from him, we would not have Easter or the resurrection. Jesus would have had that momentary respite from the pain of the cross, the pain of temptation, but he would not be the ascended Lord and King of the universe. We are called to trust that God is working in our lives in that very same way. We each have some measure of trial and affliction in this world that has a causal connection to the glory that God is going to give us. As 2 Corinthians says, Therefore we do not lose heart Even though our outward man is perishing, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working in us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Our challenge of faith, the way we believe in the way that the centurion and the leper believed, is to trust that that is so. To trust that Jesus is able to make all of our trials and tribulations and joys and disappointments work together for good. And I think we learn to trust this way by practicing trusting this way. It is the actual practice of prayer that teaches us to trust. We come to the altar of God, and in the offertory, as we place bread and wine on the altar, we offer ourselves to God, and we offer all of our uh, desires, disappointments, pains, sorrows, intercessions, and we offer those up, and we ask Jesus to be Lord, to take all that as Lord and to order it for us in accordance with his will. And what we receive back from God in our prayer is the particular thing we are called to do, because we can't manage the big picture. But if we can get our particular task for the day, that is what faithfulness looks like. Now, to adopt this perspective of prayer, of, of seeing how God is working in the midst of our pain, requires a more contemplative and reflective approach. Rather than just come to God and say, you know, Lord, if you're willing, you can do this, you can do that, do the other thing. We also have to sit back and say, what is he doing? Look at the story of our lives and what's happening in my life over the last season of time. What is God saying to me? What is God doing? Where a prayer was not answered, what happened with that? And when we adopt a more contemplative and reflective approach, it doesn't mean we don't ask for things, but it means we're more aware of what God is doing and then we can more align ourselves with what he is doing rather than fighting against it with our own will, which may uh, not in fact be good for us at all. To do this also requires a longer term perspective in prayer. I think this is the main contrast with the scriptural stories where the leper says, You're willing, I'll be clean. Jesus says, Okay, I'm willing, you're cleansed right now. Our prayer has a longer time horizon. I think God intends to give us what we genuinely desire, but we have to keep praying for that over time. And as we pray over time, a couple things happen. First, our desires are purified. The fact is, we don't even fully know what we want. We yeah, ask, So, what do you really want? You might say, Well, I want this or that or other temporal thing but when you get that that doesn't really do it so then what do I really want as we purify our desire and then God does that first and then he gives us the thing that actually fills our desire this takes time so our time horizon of prayer should be years and seeing what God is doing over that over that period of time ultimately our faith is that Jesus will raise us from the dead and give us eternal life in God's redeemed and renewed creation in which everything we really want will be satisfied this is what we pray for in the liturgy and in in general when we pray for example thy kingdom come thy will be done it's worth waiting for we pray kind of like the leper prayed, that our sinful bodies we made clean by his body and our souls washed through his most precious blood. And God is willing, and he will make us clean if we continue to believe in him and trust him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.